a Greek philosopher named Aristotle said about 2,000 years ago, anyone can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, in the right way, this is not easy. Some of you, when you've heard those words, you were probably thinking, I'd like to be able to do that. I'd like to be able to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose in the right way. That would be really great. And I just need you to know you're in the right place this morning. Uh, We're going to talk about that. Some of you are thinking, you know, I've already got that stuff pretty much down. I don't need any of it. I am good with my anger. And you are in denial. So you're in the right place this morning here too. To be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, in the right way, is not easy. Now we're going to do, uh, over the next couple of weeks, is we're going to learn how to master our expression of anger. And this is so deeply needed. Anger and managing it appropriately is of great concern to God. In fact, the Bible has a lot to say about anger. Paul said, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and he says this in Ephesians 4.26, In your anger, do not sin. Anger is a part of being a human being. Everybody experiences anger, and that's not a bad thing. In fact, it can be a really good thing. But be angry and don't express it in ways that are going to be destructive to yourself and to other people. Anger can result in good. Jesus himself got angry. But anger is potentially extremely dangerous. There's another statement in the Bible, in the book of James. James 1.20 says, Human anger, that is, Anger, apart from the power and guidance of God, human anger, apart from God, does not produce the righteousness that God desires, God's purposes and God's will. So here's what I want to start this morning. I want to spend the time that we have taking a look at several myths about anger, common misconceptions that people have about anger that just kind of float around in our day and help us get stuck. So we're going to walk through a couple of these. The first one is this. The first myth, myth number one, is that my anger is caused by external events and other people. The myth here is that because anger is such a powerful emotion, very often it feels like it's being caused by something out there. And some of the earliest research done on anger came up with two main categories of things that trigger people's anger, where people feel like something has caused me, forced me, made me be angry. And the first category was what one author calls stupid, inanimate objects. We all know about these, okay? Your shoelaces break when you try to tie them and you're in a hurry. Or your debit card won't work when you need it to work. Or your computer eats your files. Or boxes from Ikea marked easy to assemble. How many of you have thrown a hammer or a wrench 
stupid inanimate objects. Or you wait for an elevator and it doesn't come and you're in a hurry. And so instead of just pushing the button once, you push it repeatedly on the theory that this stupid elevator will sense your urgency and bypass all those other people on all the other floors because you're an important person with a place to go. Stupid inanimate objects. People is the other category that triggers us. Mostly we think of people making us angry, and we express this verbally. We'll say things like, you make me so mad. You make me mad. And the myth here is that events or people or objects make us angry. But here's the very crucial truth to this. In between the event, whether it's the stupid inanimate object or rude driver or whatever, in between the event and my anger is my interpretation of this event. There's my understanding of it my perception of it, my thinking about it, my thoughts. And we're going to come back to this because this is critical in mastering anger, the whole business of your thoughts, becoming aware of and working through what you're thinking. But my point for right now is this business about this myth that my anger is caused by external events, other people, it is not. Who is it that makes you mad? You. You make you mad. And just to make sure you carry that away with you this morning, we're going to say those words together. I make me so mad. All right? We're going to say that. We're going to say that together out loud on the count of three. I make me so mad. Okay? One, two, three. Let's say it all together. I make me so mad. Now, some of you said James rather than I, so we're going to do it again. All right? I, about yourself, make me so mad. Okay? One, two, three. I make me so All right. So this week, sometime, you're going to be in an argument with somebody, somebody at work, friend, somebody at home, about something, and at the moment when it's most volatile, when you really want to unleash your toughest words, and you really want to just kind of express your anger most vehemently, you're going to look that person right in the eye and stick your little finger out, this little finger, stick this little finger out, and you're going to say to that person, I make me so mad. And you're going to say it with great compassion passion and conviction, I make me so mad, so mad. Folks, you must take responsibility for the expression, the management of your anger. Because if you don't, you will get stuck in your anger forever. If you don't take responsibility for it, you'll just be a slave to it. And the way you express your anger is not caused by other people or some other event. It is up to you. It really is. Last year, over 334 homicides occurred because of driving incidences, road rage. And we are on track this year to exceed that. 
There was recently a story of two drivers that had a conflict on the road. One of them felt like they had been cut off by the other driver. And so they pulled alongside of each other and they exchanged angry gestures and there was tailgating and so on. And eventually this guy who felt like he had been cut off was in the front and the other car was behind him. So he reached down below him, pulled out a firearm and emptied it several rounds into the car behind him, killing the driver of the car, a 17-year-old girl. And they interviewed this guy. He's in prison now. And they asked him, do you think people should feel sympathy for you? And this is what he said. And talking about what ended up in taking the life of a 17-year-old girl, his response was, she started it. Like a little five-year-old. That's what the guy said. She started it. He sits in prison. Her life is gone. I'm just as much a victim as she is. Folks, we have to come to a common understanding here. Do not play the game of justifying your mismanaged anger because of what somebody else has done. Okay? That's the first myth. Myth number two. I can't control my anger. I just can't control my anger. Uh, This is not true. But it's very common for people to believe it. My anger just flows so strongly that I just can't control it and no one should expect me to. Managing your response to anger is learned. And it's learned behavior. And you can control it. Pastor Darrell shared how you can watch somebody sometime when they're having a big argument, things are really flying, and then the telephone rings. And all of a sudden their attitude changes. People are able to control the way they express their anger. And there are so many statements through the Bible about this business. One of them is Proverbs 29.11. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Again, we've talked about this. Anger is a physiological arousal. That's what anger is. It's a physiological, something that happens in your body. And it happens to you. And when you get angry, more adrenaline is secreted. Your blood pressure gets raised. Your pulse races. The pupils of your eyes get really big. And you secrete more sugar into your bloodstream. And it prepares you to act. Anger is a form of power. Anger is a form of bodily power. That's what it is. And it prepares you to do something, to confront to do some kind of action. But along with it, we experience strong emotions, strong feelings. But then there's a choice. How will I express this anger? What will I do with it? And how you express or manage your anger, that's learned. That's learned. Athletes have to deal with anger management constantly, all the time. If you've ever been involved in athletics, you know about this. Research has shown that of all the sports, of all the different form of athletics, golfers are the poorest at anger management. Actually, I just made that up. I don't know if it's true or not, whatever. Made some of you angry, I know, didn't I? Now, I mention it because there is a golfer. There's a golfer named Tommy Bolt 
who's kind of famous in his day for having the hottest temper of anybody on the golf course. And Tommy Bolt, he was giving a group of people a group lesson one time, private lessons. And his son was with him, his 11-year-old son. And he's going to show them what to do when your ball lands in a sand trap. So he throws a ball into the sand trap. And then he says to his 11-year-old son, Son, show the people what you've learned from your father to do when a ball lands in the sand trap. And his son picked up a wedge out of the bag and threw it as high and as hard as he could. Because that's what he had learned. How you express your anger is learned. And the good news is, here's the good news. That means it can be unlearned. That means it can be relearned. So along with a commitment to say, I'm going to take responsibility for my anger, another thing that is just as critical is, you must make a commitment to relearn how you express your anger. You've got to become a student about this. And whatever you need to do, books that you need to read, private lessons, but make a commitment that you're going to learn, relearn how to express your anger. Well, another myth. This one is very common. Now, this myth is the best way to handle your anger is to ventilate it. The best way to handle your anger is just to let it fly, just let it rip. Now, about 50 years ago, especially in the early 70s, there was an era when they popularized what has been called the ventilationist view of anger. And the ventilationist view of anger involves this idea that when you get angry, the main thing you must do is discharge your feelings. Get it off your chest, blow off steam, let it all hang out, throw something, hit something, scream something, just ventilate it. Because if you don't, this view went, it's not healthy. Okay? It's going to build up inside of you like steam inside of a tea kettle. And if there's no release, you're just going to blow up like a volcano. Here's the problem with that idea. One of them is, the way the theory went was, you get angry and you ventilate and your anger kind of drains out of you. So then you don't have any anger anymore. However, what we have learned is that ventilation, spewing, is fun. And so it becomes self-reinforcing. In other words, people hit, people shout, and it makes them feel powerful. And they want to hit some more. And they want to shout some more. And so it becomes a vicious circle. Then there's also... Another discovery on this ventilation idea, they have discovered, this is going to surprise you. This is really going to surprise you. People do not enjoy getting ventilated on. The ventilator, the spewer, they have a lot of fun. But the spewee, the ventilee, does not think much of the process at all. And the research is very clear on this. Catharsis, this idea of just letting it fly, is just not an effective way to manage anger. In fact, it just creates more. It creates more and more. Now, that's not to say that you don't need to become aware of your angry feelings. It's very important. 
It is not to say that you need to become assertive, because many of you need to become more assertive in your expression of anger. But the idea that you should just be as violently aggressive as you feel like it, let it fly without thinking about it, that has just created enormous damage. All right, next myth. Talking it out with a third party makes you feel less angry. Talking it out with a third party makes you feel less angry. And I'll explain what I mean and what I don't mean here. Often, if people decide they won't work directly about what is causing their anger, they decide they're going to handle their anger by going to a third party, somebody that they know who will be sympathetic, and telling that third party why they're so angry. And this often makes people feel better. So you find a sympathetic person, you tell them how badly you've been treated, how you've been abused, mistreated, how you've been victimized, and it feels good to do this. But again, the research is clear on this. Talking out an emotion this way does not reduce the emotion. It rehearses the emotion. It rehearses it. And the way it works is this. The more you talk about why it is that you're so angry, the more legitimate your anger feels. And the more you talk about what an abusive, unfair, unjust, thoughtless person this is, the madder you get at them until by the end of the talk, you become more angry than when you started. Because you're just rehearsing your anger. And doing it doesn't make it lessen. It increases it. Now, let me clarify here. This does not mean that you should never find a third person to talk about your anger issues. And for many of you, it has been or will be a very helpful thing. This has been a a very helpful thing for me. And for many in this room, this may be the single most needed step is to find a helpful friend or a trained person, a trained Christian counselor or so on. But generally, if you're going to do this, if you're going to meet with somebody else and talk about issues of anger, you need to do it with the goal of helping you to understand and manage your anger appropriately, not simply rehearsing what other people have done to you. Jesus offers words here that are so wise. In Matthew 18, 15, Jesus says, When there are problems of unresolved anger, when there is a conflict, go directly to the person that you're angry with and work on solving the problem. Don't involve lots of other people needlessly. Don't post things on social media so that your anger just gets escalated and dragging other people into it unnecessarily. When you have issues of unresolved anger, when you have conflict, work to go directly to the person that you have them with, if that's all possible, if that person can at all be receptive. Now, you may need to think carefully how you're going to talk to that person. Maybe you need to talk with a third party to help you strategize. But some of you are here. You've got issues of anger, and you need to go directly to the person you're angry with and work on resolving it, not rehearsing it. And that's a hard thing to do. 
It is real easy to come up with excuses to not do this. But as a general rule, Jesus says, that's the very first step to take. So do it thoughtfully, do it wisely, do it carefully, but do it. Final myth. Spiritual people never get angry. The myth is that never feeling angry is automatically a sign of spiritual and emotional maturity. Do you know what never feeling angry is a sign of? Death. Okay. This is science now. Okay. Science has told us that when people die, they don't get angry nearly as much as they used to when they were alive. Okay. Everybody deals with anger. To be alive means you're going to experience anger. And again, anger is not, although it's lethal and potentially dangerous, it is not a bad thing that we have the capacity to be angry. It is a good thing that we have a capacity to be angry. We need to learn how to deal with it well and wisely. But the truth is, everybody in this room has anger problems. Every one of us. And they manifest themselves in different ways. Pastor Daryl Nelson has done a wonderful job at describing the many ways anger can manifest itself in our lives. And I encourage you, if you haven't listened to the last couple of weeks' sermons, you really need to go back and listen to them. But imagine for a moment that you have mastered anger. Imagine what it would be like for you to move through the demands of your day, driving and deadlines, waiting, people and so on, with an inner sense of truly being calm and serene because you are doing your day with God and receiving life from Him. Imagine looking at people and instead of the responses that you often find in yourself now of anger and hostility or rivals or you see a problem, imagine looking at people and you just genuinely like them and you'll welcome them. Imagine that never again do you go through minutes or hours of days sulking or withdrawing or sullen or cold. Imagine what it would be like to stop using words that wound other people. Imagine never having to look in the eyes of a child and seeing fear or resentment. Imagine never having to go through the guilt and humiliation of having flown off the handle and done something foolish. Imagine never having to say the words, I wish I could take it back. Imagine people hurting you and instead of lashing blindly back at them, or being afraid, or running in fear, or nursing fantasies of revenge, or having bitterness take over your heart. Imagine being able to offer free forgiveness. Imagine just being able to let things go, and living your life. Imagine being able generally to wish others well. Imagine that when people talk to you, instead of getting a list of complaints about petty resentments, 
They get words of life. Imagine that you live a Jesus-formed life of peace in a mad, 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 mad world. It can happen. And we're going to do it together. Next week, we're going to come back and we're going to start building on some of the things that we've talked about this morning. But you can live that kind of a life because of what Jesus has done for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can live a life free of anger. Let's pray. Our Father God, thank you that you have given us your word to instruct us on things like how to deal with anger. And God, you don't want any one of your children to live a life being stuck in anger and resentment and bitterness. So Lord, we are praying now as we dive into this part of our series, helping us to learn to get unstuck. Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, give us courage to be bold and to be obedient to what you call us to do. And Lord, give us the vision of what life is possible through your power, through your work in us. This is not something we do on our own. This is not a self-improvement project. This is what you want to do in the lives of every single person here this morning. To be a follower of Jesus Christ, to live a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. God, we ask for your help as we seek to live that kind of life. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.